Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. As you all know, Show and Tell is a show we like to bring on cool guests to talk about something cool that they are working on. And today's cool guests are Doug and Dave from Nerdarchy. And the cool thing we're going to be talking about is Mage Forge, a new magic item supplement for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition that is, as of recording, on Kickstarter right now. So, welcome, fellas. Hey, thanks, thanks for having, having us. Uh, uh, no problem. Uh, it's good to always, you know, I know I like magic items, and I think uh, all of our listeners know that. I even got our little, I've got a little, like, side project I do just all about magic items, so I'm always interested in talking about them. And we're not going to talk about Mage Forge, uh, but I also like to talk to my guests about their design process and, you know, just some different things that they like about what they're creating. So, but... Before we really get rolling too deep into it, I think most people know who Nerdarchy is, but I like to, you know, ask, you know, my guests to kind of tell me. So we're going to we're going to start with we're going to start with Dave. You know, what, Dave, before we even talk about Nerdarchy, who's Dave? <laughs> at, at this point, I feel like my my identity has been consumed by Nerdarchy. OK, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, you know, I'm just a lifelong gamer that's enjoyed the hobby. Uh, and you know, has gotten to introduce it to my wife and my kids, and and you know, I've been playing the game for a long time, and you know, I just enjoy enjoy sharing this passion with other people, and I feel for me like gaming, has kind of been like an all consuming hobby, so there really isn't much time for a whole lot else. All consuming. That is a good way to like like summarize our hobby so much. Well, if you've ever had to like fraction out your time. And what you use it on, right? If you're a gamer, especially tabletop RPGs, you're going to find it requires a lot of time. You know, whether you're a dungeon master or even just a player, right? Like just a weekly game, you're you're probably slotting out like five, you know, five to six hours a week just for that. Yeah, and you're making content, so I know what that's. Yeah. <laughs> I know what that's like. So that's yeah. So no, it's it's super cool. Uh, Doug, what about yourself? Who's Doug? Oh, it's been a long, strange journey to get here. I have just tried many different things. I guess in my own way, I'm sort of an adventure in real life, just trying different career paths and creative projects over the years, and it all just sort of converged here with uh, Nerdarchy. And I often think of the little kids in the back corner at Walden Books looking at all the D&D stuff as a young lad of thinking like, boy, I would never have thought I would be like creating this stuff. And, you know, have, and, and it's been weird how like all the different things I've done in my life sort of like all get to be used here uh, to just That's share awesome. it my hobby, like like they've said. That's awesome. So who, which one of y'all wants to take the question? What's Nerdarchy then? I, I defer I, to, I the, guess I'll take that to one. the poobah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Nerdarchy is a multi-platform education entertainment um brand that we started back in 2014 began 2014 with the youtube channel the website and all the social media to go along with it and it's you know just been a place for us to kind of share our passion with the hobby and you know uh dungeons and dragons and other uh tabletop role-playing games and and, you know doug came on uh later thankfully because we really needed someone with his skill set and, and to take over the website before we're like monkeys tapping on a keyboard, right? And then he came and cleaned it up and makes it, he makes us sound human. 
Well, well, I will say this: my introduction to Nerdarchy. I'm a, I'm one of those people, one of those people that came into Dungeons and Dragons with Fifth Edition. So, uh, yeah, I had no idea what D and D was. So, YouTube. I went to YouTube and I saw your all's class breakdowns. When, uh, and I was like, okay, I think I kind of have a better grasp of what my players are trying to do in our games. So, yeah, you've been you've been around for a while, helped a ton of people out, including myself. So, I think it's cool to talk about uh, one of these. What what's this new thing you all have coming up? And that that's that's Mage Forge. So, what is the what's the pitch for Mage Forge? I'd say honestly, it's just a, a boy, like an elevator pitch. It's yes. it's celebrating how much memorable moments are created from the magic items that your characters discover, and that you as the GM hand out in your games. So this is uh, so it's the 250 magic items, right? And there are, does every magic item then have card a card associated with it? Yeah, yes, and and you know a lot of them, many of them come from our games, and I think you know just as a testament to like we play a lot of games in our lives, and you know it's been fun going back over them in this process now. Of seeing like, oh yeah, like I remember the moments when the players found this or like how they use this item in a strange way or whatever. And it's just fun to be like, I hope other people get this and that happens for them too. So I on the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter talks about the the nerd archiverse. Okay. Yeah. So so Dave, so are you so where where do these magic items where are the what is that and where are the magic items coming from that? Alright. So the, I guess like the nerd archiverse is just something we affectionately refer to from all the games we played, all the products we've made. And Doug kind of coined the phrase because we usually don't connect our stuff necessarily because we just figure you're going to take it, rip it out of our heads and into your games and use it, you know, however best it fits. Uh, yeah. And I, I, well, the funny thing is having come on a bit later and, and, and as a fan of them too, like you, Tom, uh, just seeing their videos, being like, "Yeah, these guys are cool. I want to do this stuff the next time I play." That sounds fun. What they're talking about, and then sort of coming in and like getting access, like, "Hey, here's our Dropbox," which just says like all this stuff, and just looking through it, I'm like, "There's a lot of cool stuff in here," and so like, and then taking that stuff and turning it into products or website posts or whatever. And knowing those guys as a fan, like I started weaving in little things. So it's like we don't make a big deal about it, but like if you're a real big nerdarchy, you know, immersed person, it's like there's NPCs or like mentions of all sorts of th- entities that are like affecting things. And it's not like super codified. I don't want to give that impression, but it's just like those that little connected tissue that is just fun for me. Easter eggs and cookies, I yes. guess, is yes, the yes, best yes. way to describe it. So not a completely, you know, curated, canonical, no. codified universe. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, uh, no, that's... Hey, maybe yeah. that down the road, that could be a, <laughs> another that, project. That's your next project, Doug. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So I, I almost like, I love the idea. I'm creating headcanon now where sure. Doug came into Nerdarchy and was just like, guys, this is a mess. Let's sell it. Let's sell it. All right. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, that is so real I canon. Wanna, <laughs> I want to talk. Like Go most ahead, creation mythos, right? Like you need the defeatic de- de- being to step into the chaos and bring <laughs> order to it. So, absolutely. So, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about Mage Forge a little bit more. But before I do that, I like to kind of yeah, I I, have, I like to ask my guests some different questions. So I want to ask you all this. So, what D- Dave? What makes a good magic item? 
Something, you know, it's something that the the players are just like, that's cool. I want to use that. And, and maybe it's not even like the abilities that it gives. I think a lot of times when you can put an item in your game and you visually describe it to to the characters and kind of like get in touch with their senses with it, that and then the player is just like, I want to, I want, want to, I want this on my character. I want to keep it on them. And it doesn't even have to be a magic item, to be honest with you. There's many times that you just put something in in a treasure hoard. Maybe you made it up or whatever, and they just like the way it sounds or the way it looks. And they're like, oh, I'm keeping that. And then then you like they, the rest of the players realize it's worth like 500 gold. And they're like, wait a minute. Why do you get that? You're like, we want our cut. You're going you're gonna to have to take that out of your cut. Like when you can start a good brawl inside of the adventuring party that way, just because something's so cool that they want their character to possess it. I, I think that's I think that is the, a good inroad into like that's a good item. So if if some if people want it, I think that applies to like real world stuff too, like just good yeah. marketing. It's like if somebody wants it, then that means it's good. <laughs> Scarcity. So, so Doug, do you ha- do you share Dave's opinion? Like, what for you? What makes a good magic item for yourself? Then, uh, you know, it's a lot of things, but I would say for me personally, as a player and as a GM, it's things that have some ability that's just kooky, honestly, or just different, or it's not its not just like a static bonus to something. It's like when it's used, it like has some, it's meaningful in some way, whether it's like allows a character to just affect the environment or, you know, in a strange way that they not otherwise would be able to. Okay. Well, I want to ask you all this then. So uh, we have, there's a lot of magic items in fifth edition and it, official ones. And I, there, it was one of my, it's one of my favorite parts of the DMG. All right. I love reading them. I love putting them in my game. So I wanted to ask you all, like, do you all have, so we kind of understand where you're coming from, from a design. Uh, we'll start with you, Doug. Do you have a favorite magic item from the Dungeon Master's Guide? One of the official ones that oh, you're yeah. like, this is, this gets put in all my games. So yep. what is it? Cloak of Arachnidia. That's since I was a little kid, I just loved it. It's like, you can stick to walls, you can shoot webs. It just sounded cool. I, and I'm just like, think cloaks are cool in general. So. Need more cloaks. Yes. You know, they make <laughs> every character cooler. My favorite item so, from Mage Forge is also a cloak. Oddly enough. Nice. So Dave, then what's your, you got a favorite patch item from the DMG? Yeah, that one's kind of hard because I generally customize my magic items, okay. you know, and, and make them up, you know, for our games. And, and that's like probably where a lot of the Mage Forge stuff has come from. Anyway, for me and Ted, like we like to create magic items. We like to make them unique and interesting. And in the DMG, you don't get a lot of that just because, it, you know, it's got to be consumable for the masses, you know, so it's not going to be tailored to your adventuring party. So like... When it comes to DMG items, when like if I'm playing in a game and you know, like the DM is like pick an item, I pick the most boring items. I'm like I want a ring of protection because it just gives me the most bonuses because nah, yeah. of the utility. But I mean, there there's definitely a lot of cool items in there, but I just feel like I can't remember the last time I just gave a off the shelf uh, magic item you know in a horde. That's an interesting. So oh, sorry. Yeah. As I said, no, no, ahead, that's an interesting distinction, Dave, because you like things and then customizing them that make what the character already does better. Like even a, a, a like you said, boring thing. It's like, well, that just means all the stuff that you chose for your character, you're just better at it. Or or it's something you designed to like enhance what the character already does. Like it gives a monk more key points or whatever. Whereas like you I know, like to stuff be honest like there's you, no way you would be able to do this. Otherwise. My favorite part section of the magic item 
uh, section in the DMG is that little section. It's only like four charts or something for customizing the magic items they already have. And it's like, who made it? What's mm-hmm. it made of? Does it have a yeah. quirk? Does it give another ability? Because oftentimes I'll take a magic item that is just, you know, maybe it's a ring of spell storing or something. And then I'll take, you know, and then I'll apply that stuff to it. And then when you give it to the players, like, they're not thinking I just got a ring of spell story. And they're like, oh, and then you just slap a name on it. And then like, it's a brand new magic item and it's unique. Right. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot, Dave. All right. Because I've been thinking about this. All right. So yeah, you kind of summed it up. There are some very generic magic items in the DMG. All right. I cannot think of any one thing more generic though, than it plus one, plus two, plus three ammunition. All right. So, all right. On the spot, because everybody would just, you just give them a plus one longbow, all right, instead of a plus one arrow. How would you make a plus one or a plus two ammunition more interesting? Make it out of unique, uh, unique materials, right? Like if it's, if it's like scaled like a dragon or a snake, or it's made of an unusual metal, uh, or it's maybe it's, you know, maybe it's pure, made of pure bone. Like the players are like, before they identify or figure out what it is, they're like, what is this? Uh, obviously etching, you know, magic runes on it is going to, to make them kind of wonder what it is. You know, the fletching, change the fletching to something fantastical. Like, you know, uh, may, you know, maybe the, the fletchings on the arrow actually appear to be made of flames instead of, you know, feathers. I like that. Like tracer arrows. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So then, so that's kind of, I think gives us a better idea of how you all like magic items then. So what makes Mage Forge, because there's been a lot of different third party magic item supplements. So what makes Mage Forge, I'll, Doug, I'll start with you. What makes Mage Forge different than what's already out there then? Um, I would say, and, and I'll even loop in and sort of answer a dovetail and answer the same question you asked Dave is that like, I think we just approach it the same way we play games, or at least, you know, I do make a point to, it's just on a matter of scale, right? So, like, you know, something, whether it's a piece of ammunition or, like, a common magic item, you know, your hero, your characters are heroes, so, you know, these things might be commonplace to them, but imagine, like, you know, you've, you come into a chamber and there's, like, a sling bullet on a pedestal and there's, like, a magical, you know, like, a continual flame around it or something, and it's, like, you know, what is that? It, maybe it's just like the sling, like a plus one sling bullet that like some folk hero used to like kill a, an ogre, right? And like to so like to a bunch of villagers is like, oh my god, you know, like that's the thing that you know slew the thing that was going to destroy our village. So like to them, to the common folk, it's an amazing thing. And the players might see that, and you can be playful. It's like they'll probably invest more in it than it's worth, right? And it, then it becomes important to them. They might always retrieve it, even once they learn. It's like, it's just a plus one bullet, you know? But it's like, it would become important to them. But then you could also play with it's like, maybe they invest more into it and it does have some kind of power that you can... I've certainly done that in games just because, you know, players have found like a plus one dagger and they just really thought it was cool. So it's like throughout the campaign, like maybe they learn more about its history and it has other powers. Um, but as to your original specific question, I actually don't remember what it was now. What, what, what well, so yeah, no, just what, what makes the Mage Forge items in the product different than some of the other third party stuff that we've seen? So I'd say it, 
it's that quality of like just for instance one of the, my favorite ones that because te, Ted's just crushing an art direction is a common magic game it's a, a ring of clear skies and it just looks like a slice of the air in a band and it just predicts the weather basically right but it just it, you know like again when you just like Dave was saying when it's just descriptive and visual and it becomes like cool and it puts the characters in the moment where even something small like that can be a really cool moment to find and and get players role-playing honestly because you know that's kind of what we expressed in all our content it's like that's the real fun of the game is like the the, the when you can really put yourself in that moment so not necessarily like the like like dave was saying like those like statistical bonus items but right. there's more role-playing yeah. items like those ways to customize it, like he said, you know, it's just it, it, it makes it more real than just like, oh, it's a plus one sword. It's like, no, this is like the sword that, you know, the, an order of dragon knights used to wield in battle. And it's like it's still just a plus one sword, but it's just cooler. Nice. I'm all about cooler. So the uh, so Dave, then how, how would you like kind of put like Mage Forge? Where would you put it in like the the, the spectrum of D&D products that we've we've seen recently on Kickstarter? All right, so we're a little biased here, um, okay. But you know, that's, but, that's fair. That's but fair. It, it's our unique perspective on okay. what we think should be uh, in a, in a game, and what we because because a lot of it is just stuff that has been in our games that came from our games. We made stuff literally like there. There's things that we did in stream games from years ago. Um, the Scarlet Sisterhood was a game that I ran. For uh, I think we did like sixty six episodes or something like that. But one of the one of the players, uh, their their weapon was turned into magic, you know, during one of the sessions. And Ted's like, "Hey, what was that item? I want to include that." I'm like, I, "I don't know. I did that a couple of years ago." So he went back through the games, the stream games, to watch some of the episodes to see it used in order to recreate that magic item. And that's the kind of stuff that I I really enjoy doing is making things that are meaningful to you know to the player and in that game even like you know the the sword that uh doug was referencing which is one of the items that you know one of the characters found in my games it was really a long sword that had been spruced up using that information in the dmg but once you once you add enough of that stuff to it it becomes a unique and new item and then we gave it story lore in our world to the point where there's a pivotal pivotal moment in the campaign where they needed to go someplace but that player was hesitant to go there because they didn't want that knighthood to see the sword because they weren't a member. They didn't know it was going to happen if they got if they if they uh, you know were found that had it. They didn't know if there would be a penalty, uh, you know. So so like when you can introduce items into your game and give them a connection to the players, a connection to the campaign and the lore, and actually like flavor how and determine how your players are going to react based on those things like to me that is the kind of essence that we were trying to capture and recreate with mage forge and make unique things that like the players will be excited to have have and wield and might even influence the campaign and what they do with them so i gotta ask you then do you have like what's your i know it's there's there's 250 of them that's yeah. more than the original og pokemon all right so <laughs> what um do you have we play a D&D favorite? a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> do, do you got do you have a favorite uh magic item then dave i'll start with you and then i'm it's gonna come back to you doc tell sure so that's that is so that is so tough because there, there's so many of the items and uh 
that have that have come you know from our games, things that we've created. Either you know, I've I've gotten some of them as players. I've given them as the DM. Right now, I'm kind of in love with the Clockwork Frog, but <laughs> only because only because because we turned it into a GIF, and yeah. I love and I and I love the way it looks. It is so. What's the Clockwork Frog do that? Because that's like front and center on your all's Kickstarter. It, it is so. It's a it's a very rare wondrous wondrous item. Uh, and I don't know, Doug. Should I read the description? This was a little bit longer than a lot of them, but it's it's also cool. Go for it. Yeah, go yeah, for, go it, man. for it. Yeah. So so a little backstory, right? Okay. This is one of the things that Ted made and came from his game because his daughter loves frogs, so he includes a lot of frog stuff <laughs> into the game. But then prior to that, we had just did a video on uh on on a frog like demon lord i think is what we came mm. up with or something yeah, and we later on. like outsourced it to a writer to turn that into products for us so between like ted's daughter and us having did that one thing we have a lot of frog related items in our <laughs> in, oh, yeah. in, you know in our catalog <laughs> Uh, okay. And also, frogs are great for puns, and Ted just loves puns. Yeah, I do too. Not as much as Ted, though. Yeah. So, the Clockwork Frog is a wondrous item. It's very rare. An item appears to be a large frog constructed out of copper plates, weighing a total of 300 pounds. Pulling an exterior lever on its neck causes the mouth to open, allowing up to two medium or smaller creatures to crawl inside. The mouth automatically closes one round after the lever is pulled. A similar lever inside. Opens the mouth. It's got an armor class of 16, 100 hit points, a swim uh, a s- a swim speed and a regular speed of 30 feet, and it is immune to poison and psychic damage. Uh, to be used as a vehicle, the Clockwork Frog requires one pilot while the mouth is closed. The interior is airtight and watertight. The interior holds enough air for eight hours of breathing divided by the number of breathing creatures inside. The Clockwork Frog floats on water. It can also go underwater to the depths of 500 feet. Below that, the vehicle takes 2d6 bludgeoning damage per, per minute from pressure. A creature in the interior can use an action to move as many of as many as two of the Clockwork Frog's levers up and down after each use of the lever goes back to the neutral position. Each lever functions as follows. Clockwork Frog levels, uh, lever, levers, table. And then, you know, there's uh, six different things that you can have the frog do. So as you can't tell, this was definitely inspired by a different magic item. <laughs> but that's like what we like to do. We like to take stuff that's kind of old and make it brand new. Yeah, add some variety in there. I also love that you all invented, uh, you guys added mechs into <laughs> D&D. So, okay. Um, or Zords, you know, however you want to throw it, <laughs> spin it. Also, I, I like how, you know, talk about attention to detail. Let's put pressure damage <laughs> on them. Okay. Some people right. get really into the crunch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's true. fair. Uh, so, Doug, then, uh, what what's... Out of all of these magic items, what would you say is kind of like one that really, really inspires you then? I'm thinking we should start cutting Ted's daughter a check because it's also a frog-inspired thing, which isn't from my game, any of my games, but it's the Croak Cloak. And I think it's a combination of the art for it is just so cool to me, uh, partially because I'm like a old-school Mega Man fan, and it, it kind of reminds me of that. But it's like a cloak, and it, ha- it looks like a frog head or, or like maybe Mario 3. Uh, and so you look like, you know, like you have a frog eyes on top of your head. 
and you can jump really far. And I think you can talk to frogs. And to be honest, we have so many frog things that sometimes I'm like, I wait, promise is that the whole is that deck the... is not nothing but no, frog it's not, but it, Yeah, there's 250 <laughs> things. But uh, just, you know, like where it's like, does that one let you speak to frogs or summon frogs or whatever? And, you know, we have on our website somewhere, it's just like, play as the frog champion. And, you know, it's just like, if you had all these items, you could like summon them and talk to them and jump, like transform into them. But it just looks so cool and it's it's fun. Uh, and again, it's a cloaks, which I, I really like. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. I said it already. Also, I really, I just love cloaks. Mm-hmm. I just, just cloaks Let's bring back cloaks in like everyday life, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, one of my one of my favorite things about I love when information is categorized. Like that is like one of my joys in life is when information <laughs> has been put in neat you know, concise boxes. So one of the things I noticed about this is that you all have the cards are color coded. All right. All great card games. We think of magic. We think of Pokemon. They're all color coded. So talk, talk to me about the, the different like flavors of these cards. Then it's been a fun evolution. Uh, you know, we, we sort of have like a tendency in habit at Nerdarchy is just like, we're just going to do as much stuff ourselves as we can, you know, like, between Dave, uh, Ted, Dave, and I. Um, but that was kind of how uh, our relationship with Nord expanded because they were just doing logistics, and but they also have good graphic designers who you know looked at what we had and, and had better ideas and uh, sort of worked with us to ca- kind of like capture what we wanted more than we were doing on our own, which is awesome because they frankly do look really cool and they sort of like – match up with the little icon colors that indicate so there's a lot of just like you can look at them and tell a lot about it just like at a glance is this rare you know what kind of item is this so we really wanted to capture that yeah so one of the one of the things we were doing was um we were using these gem accents for the cards Mm -hmm. and then like i forget who came up with the idea but one of us was like well what if we color code the gems and use it so that you just look at it and then you know what you know what it what the rarity of the magic item is and then you know into like what doug was doug was speaking to and bringing in other voices nord is like well what if you also make the the header background the same color as the gem so you know you can whether you look at the bottom of the card or the top of the card you're just going to know what the rarity is as a gm so if you're giving stuff out you know you can go sort through them really quickly yeah you're not handing out all the rare ones right off the bat yeah I mean, if, unless that's what you like, uh, you know, so that's I. so that actually kind of brings me to my next kind of question I had is one of the things that people struggle with in fifth edition is the frequency and to hand out magic items. All right. For me, we have this joke at the RPG Academy is that I give my players way too many magic items. All right. I love it. And Michael, on the other hand, he kind of he parses them out. He really makes them because I there's. He makes them very special. In mine, they're very, they're very not. They're just <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. So, do you guys have an opinion then of like, how do you like give out magic guys? Because I assume with these are cards, I'm going to want to hand these out all day. So, I, I'm, I'm almost like a Monty Hall type of DM. Like, yeah, just dole them out constantly. But I think part of that's because like just the way my gaming habits have evolved these days, play a lot of like shorter campaigns. So, you know, the idea of like, yeah, you know, we're going to play this for years and like all the, like every so often we'll discover the same. It's like, I just don't play like that. It's like, if we're only playing 12 sessions and I may never play with these people again because they, you know, we don't continue 
like I want to get some cool stuff. And as a DM, I want to hand out cool stuff so that they have fun playing. So I, yeah, I, I hand them out like candy. <laughs> nice. Uh, Dave, you got, what about yourself? How do you, how do you do magic items in your campaigns then or the games you run? I am more like, I'm more like Mike and I'm okay. pretty stingy, <laughs> but when I do give stuff out, I like to give out really cool things. Like, okay. um, and, and like for them to have meaning. So, like, in one of my games, one of the players uh, introduced, like, their grandmother as an NPC, so I went with it. And then I started adding to it and, like, gave, like, the the grandmother a secret that the player didn't know about, and she actually used to be a rogue. And one of the other characters, which was an elf, so being much longer lived, knew her from that life. Uh, and, and their grandmother, when she, like, when she went was going out to do an adventure or go on a mission, totally did the thing where it's like, Hey, it's dangerous out there. Don't go alone. And handed her this stiletto <laughs> that when you know when when they whisper the command word to the blade, it turns into a short sword. And then later on, the the weapon itself got upgraded too. I believe when they went to the Feywild. So like, so I, one, I lo- I like giving out items that I think are kind of special and unique to the to the player for mechanical purposes, but also for story elements. And I am far more inclined to upgrade what I give them than to give them something new. Ah, okay. I I like that. We've been having a lot of conversations lately around here about upgradable magic items with all the stuff that was in the new Fizzbands book with horde mm-hmm. items and everything. So I think it's interesting that you you're kind of having those conversations as well. So okay, uh, upgradable. Do you guys have any upgradable magic items in this deck? Or is that up to your discretion as the the dungeon master? There's a lot of things that, you know, are baked into some of the lore that, because we also are making like a little booklet that has additional lore about, so not, not every item, but a lot of them. And because again, they're just cabled for games. So there's not really like a codified, like everyone has this chunk of info, but like there's some that kind of um, harken back to earlier editions with like, there's a, table of dcs and it's like you know you can make an arcana check and this is what you learn about this thing and there's some where it's like you know if uh sort of upgradable in the sense of you know they're paired so if you wear them both they only count as one attunement or like if you have them both like this other item is better because you have both these things so there's there's stuff like that i feel like what you're describing which is a cool item and i like those kinds of magic items wouldn't go well in a card deck. Yeah. You'd almost need multiple cards to go with the different versions. Cause as they upgrade and get more powerful, that also probably means more text, more text. And even though we got tarot size cards, which are bigger than your normal cards, you still have a finite amount of space on them. Yeah. So, means you got to make more cards, make you know, more cards. All right. everybody <laughs> loves buying more cards. So, uh, okay. No. So, all right, so I'm going to put you all on the spot again, ask you a question about it. So, the yeah, you talked about what your favorite one was, but then also one of the things that a lot of players like to just know, is there a magic item in this that is, like, crazy powerful? Oh, yeah. It's like, We've like, got artifacts. Tell us, <laughs> okay, tell us. I want to know about these because I just like hearing about, like, what is something that is just, like, mind-blowingly powerful here? Uh, one that comes to mind right off the bat is one that Ted, this is actually a pretty cool story. So he plays every week in many terrain domains, um, Dawnbringers campaign for a few years now. 
And his character that he plays is based on one of our video character builds, which is pretty cool in and of itself. But um, throughout the campaign, he went on a quest to like for to transform his other adventuring companions, like heirloom uh, mall, which is just a normal mall, but he always carried it and everything into like making it super magical. And it's like, it does a ton of different things, but right off the bat, as far as just power level, it's like when, when you hit with it, you can decide, you can do an extra like eight D 10 lightning damage, like a couple okay. of times a day. And it's like, when you hit with it, not like you, so you don't even have to waste it. It's like, no, you know, and it, you know, and that character's like also a paladin and stuff. So it's like, yeah, you can lay down the smack down, <laughs> but that one also has like a ton of lore and stuff. That's in that book. But it was just neat um, and kind of like dovetailing with the thing about upgrading items. A lot of that, we didn't want to get too, like, we, you know, these come from our games and there's a lot of lore and, and personal stories there. But a lot of that part of it, to Dave's point, like with that in particular, just kind of came out of that story. So it's just like, you know, if you want to take that t- same track in, in your own games, it's like, well, it should come from those characters not like oh you have to travel to the Feywild to do this it's like that's that's just how it turned out for you know that character yeah i believe we have five um artifacts Mm, in the deck right Mm -hmm. so there's a wand oh yeah that thing's really powerful too uh there's a wand there is the there's the mall uh uh, what else do we got (laughs) we've got a ring Okay, is it's a it's a is it a ring of wishes? Is it no. in, infinite? Okay, all right. No, no, no. Okay. no. And uh, ooh, what is this one? This one. <laughs> this one's got a lot of text. <laughs> That's probably one we're working on. Uh, it's paring down. I'm, I'm looking God. at the raw doc to kind of pick things through. So I don't. But yeah, so we definitely have five artifacts. I don't. Do we have all five of them done, Doug? I think so. Doug is our resident lore master. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, I don't remember. There's so many, and I don't. I actually don't remember off the top of my head. Artifacts are cool. I'm um, a big fan. Is of Ebonhorn one of the artifacts? I but don't think Ebonhorn is. I think that's just a legendary, merely yeah. a legendary. Yeah, there, I mean, there's there's artifact. quite a few sentient items as well. Which I mean, yeah. just as players and GMs, we love those too. I hope a lot of other people. Oh my word, sent. Sentient items, that's like my current, like that is my biggest trope in all of my games. A sentient sword comes up that is possessed by a demon. Like it just, it just always in all of my games, whenever I introduce a new sword, my players are always just like, this is the demon blade, right, Tom? I'm like, <laughs> it's a fantastic GM tool too. I mean, it's kind of like a, like a sly way of like, now you always have an NPC with you that I can do oh, things with <laughs> or tell you it's stuff. So ch- it's so true. Okay, so now let's talk about the, let's talk about about the Kickstarter then because it's sure. it's it's up there right now. So, uh, give us a rundown of the Kickstarter. What can people expect from it? Um, and then yeah, how do you get involved there? Can I take this one, Dave? Yeah, go ahead. I, we just we found it's fu- it's been funny seeing some of the response to it because we just it, it's intentionally following the kiss method. It's like just keep it simple, stupid. It's just like yep. it's magic item cards. That's it. Like when we did our first. Uh, Kickstarter, it was exciting. I mean, not that this one isn't, but, you know, just like we had stretch goals and we're doing like prints of the stuff, dice, and da 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 We're like, let's just streamline it. And, you know, these are cards. So we wanted to make it simple pledge levels too. It's like you can get the PDF, 
version of it, which a lot of people like because they're not gaming in person or they just prefer their products digital. Or you know, or you can get the box set, which we totally geeked out about the actual box, like when we were picking it, because there were so many different options, and we're like, hey, show us that one. It was just like one box with a plastic insert, two wells, and enough space for a booklet on top. We're like, oh yeah, that looks awesome, because you know, we were like, we should have five different ones, or like you can mix and match and make your own decks. They're like, nah, it's just a big thick pile of cards, and here it's in a box. So and we love box sets and cards, so it's fun in that way but yeah just like i said the pledge levels you get the pdf the backs or the pdf and the backs and we just added a retailer level as well uh, based again on feedback that we just got gotcha okay i i i'm a, i am a big fan of very simple kickstarters that it makes it so easy for me to understand what i'm getting and then also it kind of removes the analysis paralysis kind of like <laughs> yeah. which one should i pick uh-huh. kind of we're kind of like can we have a successful kickstarter where without having a life-size Tarask mini for people <laughs> we're gonna find out <laughs> you know it's funny yeah. you mentioned that it reminded me when we were talking earlier and time you'd asked like what the most special thing about mage forges and i guess we're talking about now it's like i think it's just an esoteric thing that like that's what's awesome about rpg hobby these days is like we just are people that like this hobby and keep sharing our love for it and yeah maybe it's not like you know making a million dollars in 10 minutes but it's like we're getting it's amazing to me that you know i'm almost certain it'll fund and even where it's at right now like that many people were like yeah i want to share that experience that you guys are sharing with me too that's awesome and incredible yeah i think people can go to this and be very confident this is not your all's first rodeo uh you've done one of these before so and a lot of the stuff's done so you know you know it's just putting the art to it and like and, and like, I'm not going to say like our first Kickstarter went completely rat, without a hitch. We were supposed <laughs> no. to deliver in 2020. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and you know, there were some things that came up also 2020 and also some not, thi- not 2020. Some right? things we'll call, <laughs> yeah, we call it was, some things now. Yeah. It was tumultuous. But, but that being said, like going forward, yeah. it's like, can we make new mistakes instead of making the same mistakes? <laughs> to that end, we partnered up with Nord Games who've been, they've actually took over our, um, fulfillment in the middle of the last Kickstarter. And, you know, really, uh, uh, in a pinch, helped us out. And they fulfill us when we sell physical products now. So we brought them in on this Kickstarter. So we're able to lean on their experience and shore up those weaknesses that we have. And that's another reason why we kept this one simple is because, like, we did have some issues with late delivery on the first one. And we wanted to we wanted to kind of, like, have a pa- palate cleanser, if you would, and keep it simple and make sure we get out the best product we can as fast as we can. Um, and, and kind of like hit the, hit the refresh sort of, and hit the ground running with this one. Uh, to, uh, to add on to that too, I think, you know, if any, anybody that's familiar with Nerdack, you know, so like we got a lot of content and we, and to that effect, we also have just a lot of ideas we want to explore. So it's like, yeah, let's just, you know, we have these card ideas, Let's just keep it at that because there's, you know, a ton of other projects that we'd love to explore, too. So that we, like Dave said, it's just like a nice, fresh aperitif palate cleanser, whatever you want to call it. Or, you know, and then we can just move on to other ideas as well. Yeah. And I think for, for listeners of our show, for those who may not, Nord Games has worked on a lot of products that we've featured on our show already. You know, stuff from 2CG and Apotheosis and Cobalt Press. So... 
yeah, so just this is just a another one to add on to that pile. So super cool. So I guess before we wrap up, then is there anything else about uh, Mage Forge that you feel like people? This is they gotta know this. Like, what's the last? What's that last bit? Or like, what's your final? You know, please give us your money. All right. So, I mean, if if you're fans of D and D the way we are, and, if, and you know whether you're new to the hobby or you've been playing for a long time, you when you get this, you're you're gonna see that come through in these cards. As many of them, even though they're you know magic items that you can give out to your players, they've come from our games. You may have seen them used on our live streams, and, and you know for the I guess the past. Uh, Eight years or going on eight years, we've been doing Nerdarchy. This is kind of like a culmination of that and our love of the hobby and specifically our love of Dungeons and Dragons magic items. Nice. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. Doug, what about yourself? I would add to that, too, that there, I feel like there is exciting to give out as they are to get as a player. And if you're a just a player and you've never GM, I, I think they have that same quality as like a lot of the awesome monster entries and things where they just give you ideas like, I want to make an adventure about that item or that monster or whatever. And I would hope that it would actually inspire players to just become DMs themselves, even just through the thing where they just saw the lore of an item. Like that's an adventure right there. I want to do that for my friends. Lore and art, you know, you can't beat it. So perfect. Well, as we wrap up, I like to ask folks where they can find you all on the internet. So Dave, uh, you got those social media plugs for us? Oh, yeah, that's real easy. It's Nerdarchy Anywhere, right? (laughs) Nerd with Archy at the end of it, right? And you can find us on YouTube, on our website, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter, all the places. If you just Google Nerdarchy, like all of those things will more, more than likely come up. And they're all connected. So if you get in one, it'll probably point you to the other. <laughs> it's, yeah, you, yeah, it's absolutely. Nerdarchy is the first thing that comes up. You get, it, it is what it is. I think, yeah, you just go to YouTube too. Lots of great content. Yeah. Like, I, like I was first, like I said, introduced to you all through YouTube and all the great videos there uh, when I first got into gaming. So thank you for that. Uh, and then other than that, folks, uh, it, that's it. You can follow me on Twitter at Bezcar Tom. Yes, that's Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. And as always, folks, uh, just make sure you check out, make sure you check out Mage Forge on Kickstarter right now as of recording. And then also, if this is in the future, just go to Nerdarchy's website because I'm sure they're probably going to be selling it there still. So, uh, as always, folks, do not forget if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. 
or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.